Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27, 1999, and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life, and I hope it can help change yours. Hi, everybody. Carly Recovered Alcoholic. I am so excited to have an old school, big book loving Jack on here. Jack, will you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Jack Varnell. Um, I have no objection to using my last name. I don't care. I'm an alcoholic and I have a solution. So if you want to know about it, that's me. Yay. What is your sobriety date? Um, I got sober the last time on January 27, 1995 with no cocaine. We have the same sobriety date. No kidding. I'm awesome. 99, you're 95, but so numbers one, two, seven are the most important numbers in your life, aren't they? They pretty much are, yeah. <laughs> so now everybody knows our codes for everything. Cool. I'm so great. You're my brother. Awesome. Where well, are you I calling from now? Anyway, you just didn't yeah. know. Yes. Where are you calling from now? Where are you calling in from? Um, I'm actually in Destin, Florida right now, and I kind of bounce back and forth between here and Atlanta. Lucky. We're in the very cold area right now in Cleveland, but it's old school AA and you've got it too. So we're going to get right to it. What pages did you choose? Um, I want to talk today a little bit about the promises and probably not for the reasons that everybody's heard. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of sticking around the um, 83, 84, 85, 86, that whole area into action. I have a quick question for you and warning for everyone out there. Jack has admitted he's a big talker and everyone here knows I am too. So you're going to hear a lot of interrupting back and forth <laughs> between the two of us. But the good news that you need to remember is that the two of us madly love this book. And I can't speak for you, but for me, it's the only thing that's ever worked. Um, real quick, when did the book enter into your sobriety and change it? January 27th, 1995, when I got sober for the last time, um, I met a group, well, around that period, I met a group of people that were very, very old school. Um, we were involved in a different fellowship um, for different substances, and they were based everything on old school AA traditions and steps and processes that have been proven to work. And they um, sat me down every night until it took, and um, I've been sober ever since. So before that, had you not been active in the book in the steps? Um, it was a tool to show how smart I was. It was <laughs> used for, um, you know, um, a book smart solution to what I thought the problem was, um, and you know, it took some more learning along the way to realize that it wasn't anything in my brain um, knowledge wise that was going to fix it, which that's you know. so important to hear, because as you know, it's all throughout our book that self knowledge is not our problem self knowledge is not our solution. I remember being at Stella Maris, which is the, pretty much like the bottom of the barrel of treat like of detox centers, it's not a treatment center, you go there to dry out. Right. And I remember taking a meeting there years ago and there was a guy in slippers and a robe and he quoted the book better than anyone I've ever known. He could read the book out loud from his brain. And I thought to myself, he's in a detox center. It doesn't yeah. matter what you can recite. It just matters what you're doing with it. Right. 
and and it's like another language. I could learn a different language, but if I don't know what the words mean or how to apply that language, it doesn't matter that I know a bunch of words that I don't understand. Right. And, you know, I think where the change happened for me as far as the book was concerned, the people I was working with, and I say people, I had a, a direct sponsor, but we, we had a, a group of people that worked together. And, you know, I eventually became a part of that initial group. And we, I mean, we saw the big book come to life in the way that that message spread and had success. It replicated what it said in the book with that group of people. And what the first thing was that they told me, they said, you know, Jack, you, they use an analogy of a light switch. And it's like this. And when I was a kid, I was scared of the dark. And I, walk, and I would scream and cry about it. And my mom would tell me, hey, you know, all you have to do is reach over here and flip the switch and you won't be in the dark anymore. You won't have to be afraid. And I was willing to believe that what she told me was true. And I was so willing to believe it that I believe that was a solution. And I took the action necessary. And I reached over there when I got scared in the dark and I flipped that switch on and I got my results. And I got my results and I repeated that process and repeated that process and repeated that process. And every time I did, I gained faith in the idea that I didn't need to understand electricity. I didn't need to understand lighting. I didn't need to be scared of the dark either. All I had to do was take the action required and I would get my results. And you know what? I don't question that process now. Right. When I walk into a dark room, it's automatic. My arm goes over and it flips the switch. And you don't, don't have to understand how the electricity works to know that it's going to turn on. And exactly. what you just described, so the problem was you were scared of the dark. Your mom gave you the solution. You believed the solution. You made the decision without even telling us you made the decision. And the actual flipping of the switch is four through nine. And so for you, exactly. the belief is only taken into your life by the action. You cannot believe by making one, two, and three your life. You cannot get what you want with that information. And you can't have faith in those ideas based on somebody else's experience nope. either. I'm nope. scared of the dark, not them. They're not scared of the dark, I am. Right, you know? we have to, and that's what's so vulnerable about the first time we ever go through the steps is because we have no other choice but to trust what, that what you're saying is true because we've never flipped on the switch ever. Right. And it's right. never worked. Right. And so when it, we finally do it, then we go, Oh, I see it works. And, and, and so when you, when you lay it out that simple and I got past my own ego and my own ability to think and figure things out and self will myself into a solution or knowledge myself into some solution or just lie to myself into some other solution you know, then it, then the process is already laid out for me. And I repeat that process. And so here it is 26 years later. And I'm going to tell you something, my life in sobriety has been three times harder than anything I could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And I watch people around me work the process just like I did and they got results just like I did and they developed the ability to differentiate the truth from the false just like I did. And they're having all these things that I perceive to be successes and everything in my life wasn't that way. I, I had to deal with the death of both my parents. I had a girlfriend commit suicide. I lost two marriages. 
I lost my businesses. I ran a halfway house for addicts and alcoholics for almost five years that went down the tubes and caused me to lose my house and everything I owned in the process, including my first marriage. So here's the thing though, the promises, which are the result of working that action and repeating that process of reaching over and flipping on that light switch and getting my results has developed into faith. Mm-hmm. That, that process works and I just continue to work that process. It, it's become automatic. I'm so glad you said that because we don't get that faith without action. I remember when I first got sober and I would hear the promises read at all the meetings, I thought I was entitled to them by showing up at meetings. I thought meeting makers make it and that you just, (laughs) if you keep showing up, you're going to get the promises and it wasn't happening for me. And the reason why it was, was not happening is let's go to that page, right? Let's go to the page where the promises are. And it says, and then we're going to start from your part, but on 84, it says, are these extravagant promises? That's the first 100 men and women saying, you know, basically Bill is saying, look, we just wrote these promises. They're pretty awesome and intense. And he's saying to them, do you guys think this is too much? And the first 100 men and women say, we think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And here's the kicker. They will always materialize if we work for them. It doesn't say if we show up at meetings. Right, so exactly I have to do the work, right. Like you just I said, mean, people, I don't do the work, nothing. If, if you know the history of AA, I mean, you. People don't understand it's called anonymous for a reason. It's not the reason people think, though. Tell us. It's called anonymous because there was only 100 of them, and they had a proven method, and they knew they were going to get bombarded. There was no way they could, you know. And I know people who were in very close proximity to that first 100, and before they could go to a meeting, they had to do steps one, two, and three. Get on your knees and do your prayer. And then you can come to a meeting and do the steps. And then you go fishing for newcomers. So somebody 12-stepped them. They took, they gave them the information about the mental obsession, the physical allergy, what the solution was. They right. said, do you want to do this? They right. made the decision. Then they showed up at the meeting. Can yes. you imagine our success rate globally if we actually 12-step people before they got to the meeting? And then the meetings were about the solution, not about the problem. That's why I'm not an addiction counselor now, okay? <laughs> because the reality was in my own practice at the halfway house, I dealt with homeless, indigent, pregnant, postpartum women, veterans, all the people that fell through the cracks. And we built a family. And the, the thing is, is that those people would have never been brought together. And what brought them together is what the book says, a common problem. What keeps them together is a common solution, not a thousand different ideas on take what you want and leave the rest. And you know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a selfish alcoholic and I always will be. I've got three boys and I pray to God that none of them ends up with this disease, but there's a pretty bad genetic lottery on our side. <laughs> and if they do, I want men like you to point them to who I know are going to give them the solution, not a watered down version of sobriety, where they get to, you know, just stay here and we'll keep loving you. I want someone to give them the hard truth and the real action steps because I need that. Like, I know that we can't do this without it. And the rest of that story is if you get through that process, all that's going to happen is it's going to improve their life quality one way or the other. And if it doesn't solve an addiction problem, then we know constitutionally incapable that right. means there's a different problem when we need to pay right. attention. 
Which, by the way, I thought when I first got here was, I'm a liar, so I'm that person. And they're like, no, 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 Carly. That's actually a real medical diagnosis, like a psychiatric mental diagnosis where you're not capable. That doesn't mean you're an ex-con. Right. It just I don't like to tell the truth because that's how I lived, but like I'm capable. So let's get right into it. Are we going to start on 83? Where do you want to start? Um, yeah, I'm just going to, I mean, look, it's the promises we all do in the meeting, uh, you know. Um, the but important pretend that the person that's listening is new, so or they don't know it, so walk us through. Yeah, I, I definitely will. Um, the important thing to notice here is the number of promises and the way that these, par- these words are written. If you're out there and you want to read the big book for a solution, make sure you read it literally. Read what it says. Don't interpret it. It tells you if you do this, you get this. And here's where, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, what are we painstaking about? This phase. What is this phase? This phase is I'm taking the action as prescribed by the process, the solution. I have no power. Eight and nine, right? Specifically eight and nine. They're, they're going about making those amends. We don't exactly. get the promises for the nine step without doing those amends. Exactly. And you're going to get glimpses and glimmers along the way. And your uh, uh, obsession may be lessened along the way. Your ability to know the truth about certain circumstances along the way. But the key is they don't, those things don't internalize. You don't know. It's not an auto response to turn a light switch on until you've repeated it and repeated it. You know what I noticed, Jack, is that the downfall of anyone I work with when it comes to this part of the book and the steps is they'll get glimpses of like little gems of the promises and that will be enough. And they will stop doing the work that they need to do to finish their list and to keep going because they'll they'll be like, look, I got that promise, I'm cool. And they don't understand that the book tells us we only get it if we keep going. And that's why we need to read it the way that we do. It says, hey, here's a recipe. Follow the directions and you'll get this cake. Okay, it's not complicated. I don't need to figure it out. And our issues with, you know, other than old school techniques is the fact that they water it down, confuse it, mix it up. You got a thousand different people in a meeting coming from a thousand different treatment centers with a thousand different modalities. Yeah. And nobody's talking about what the real solution is or knows anything about it. All they or you're is- like me and I'm horrible at following directions because I think I could do it better myself. The only mm-hmm. place I've ever followed the directions is here. Well, and and it's only because my life depends on it. So I expected on one of my travels through uh, Recoveryville that on day 91, I was gonna be fine. <laughs> As long as I did 90 and 90, I was going to be cured. Right, I did it. I, so I did what like did 107 I do? I and 90. I sat in meetings for 90 days. I sat in meetings with a notebook and I took notes. And then I would time it so that right before the end of the meeting, I would be the one who shared to close it all out. What the hell is wrong with me, man? You know, I hadn't even been sober 90 days. You know? Right. <laughs> So if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through glimpses and glimmers. We will, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness tied back directly to that action being painstaking. We won't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. 
in my life, that is very true. I am grateful for every horrible day I ever gave myself because I would be dead or living it still if it hadn't happened exactly the way it did in the time that it did because I wouldn't have been ready or the people I needed in my life at that point wouldn't have been available or whatever, you know, or I would have OD'd or ended up in jail. And, I also know. see today, you know, with our sobriety under our belt, that God uses those past that we want to shut the door on to help other people. Like God puts right. people in my life specifically. And something else I just noticed when you read it that I've never noticed before is if I have a sponsor that's complaining, they're not getting the promises the way that it promises it. I can just ask them, are you being painstaking about this phase of your development? Are you painstakingly working on your list? How are right. your amends going? If you're not painstakingly working on it, you can't request that these are, are given to you. It's contingent, right? Right. And, and, you know, and I hear people go back and change things. It's like, okay, well, obviously, you know, you need to go back and do another four step. No, you don't. It doesn't say go back and do what you've already done. It says repeat this process here in this one step. Right. <laughs> that's all it says and yep. if i continue to repeat that process see what i forget is that process is automatic i use that in everything i'm willing to believe that there's a problem i'm willing to believe there's a solution i take action to get that solution i use it in everything i do it's but not you know boring. what i love about our book is that they're constantly offering us a choice because they know mm -hmm. that we are not people that want to be told what to do so the choice is always presented from 25 you can go on to the bitter end or you can accept spiritual help. Which one do you right. want? Right. And, and it's not just about the choice. I mean, at the time they wrote the book, they knew they didn't have time to deal with people who weren't serious. Yes. You know, I mean, I have given a sponsee a $20 bill and told him to go get some dope and come back when he's ready, you know, and obviously he didn't do that, you know, but that's what it took, you know, right. You know, he saw I was willing to cut him loose because I didn't have time to play with him. If he's going to play. It's not even just about not having time. We know from the first 100 men and women and from our experience that it won't work if the person doesn't want it. Right. It doesn't work. I can't want it more for you than you can want it for yourself. And, and see people don't, I mean, the way they did it in those days, I mean, for three years, this go around in my sobriety, basically five days a week M me and my internal circle of sobriety we we were <laughs> we were the hardcore book thumpers let's just put it that way we marched into meetings with our books on our arms it was ridiculous but we saved an awful lot of souls <laughs> mm -hmm. and and but what the way we did it wasn't in the meetings the results got shown off in the meetings you know we met in individual homes every single night, five or out of parking seven, lots, you know, or and, we lots in the car. and we supported each other. And, you know, if, if my sponsor was working with a new guy, I would be there to support him. If I was working with a new guy, you know, my crew would be there with me, you know, we, and, and, and we touched some lives and it was a beautiful thing to see, but it is all based on the action. And we all took the same stance that look, this is the solution. We've been struggling for years with this stuff. If you want it, come get it. If you don't, we don't This have is time. why we need you at our North Star Big Book meeting because there's plenty of men there that come and that are hungry for a male sponsor that 
we'll take them through the book the way that we're talking about. So you're needed there. Right. Let's we'll keep going. That. We'll see. And that's, I mean, I'll be honest, that's, you know, the process goes on to tell me that I have to be a maximum fit to God and the people around me. And the way that I do that is the same way. I repeat that process. And all these things that we call promises could also be called miracles where I'm mm -hmm. concerned anyway. Yes. The fact that, I, you know, I, I run the risk of sacrificing too much um, in, in, on behalf of trying to balance some invisible scale that doesn't really exist anymore. But that's my issues now. Right. That's me not, you know, let's go back to the promises, you know. All the most, for the most part, I've seen all these things, you know, and there's a good news that comes at the end of all this. We, you know, we will know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Those are all guarantees. If you do this, if you're painstaking about it, you will get these things. You know what, Jack? When I first started hearing these in meetings and I was so broken and I was fresh off of a suicide attempt and I had been to so many psychiatrists and on so much medication that when I heard that we will know peace, I remember having tears in my eyes and being okay that that was never gonna happen to me. Like understanding that that was too much for me to ask for. And if I didn't get it, I wouldn't be upset at all. But I can tell you that I have, I know peace. I, here's the difference, I know it, I don't exist in it. I know right. it. I have moments of it in the middle of messes and, and calamity. I don't walk around in constant peace. They're not promising us that. They're promising us we're going to know it. Right. And, and that's exactly right. And again, it ties back to the action. You know, I'm the one that's responsible for that. And depending on where I am in the process, if I'm going through it the first time with four through nine, or if I'm repeating the process on a daily basis with the later steps, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, what matters is I'm repeating that process, you know, and the results will come guaranteed. It doesn't matter what my will is or isn't. And that's, you know, that's where I struggle. When I read the promises today, it is very different. You know, I'm very aware that God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. Tell me what you see that's different for you today at 26 years of sobriety. What's different in the promises? You know, I, I, what's different for me is this. Here's the thing. I know where my struggle is. I don't always, there's a promise that says I intuitively will, I will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. I, I, I know absolutely nothing about that at this stage of the game. And it's because of where I'm at today. What I do know is going on, though, is I'm always seeking solutions. And where I go to that solution, I don't even have to do a lot of work. It's autopilot. You know, I know when I feel like crap that it's because I'm not a member of a fellowship somewhere where I can carry a message. So I, you, I'm you, not... you know where the deficiency is. You know where that right. you could be. Like for me, when I see that sentence, we will intuitively know how to handle situations with use of baffles. The way I get that solution today is as long as I'm hammering 11 every single morning and I'm doing my meditation and my prayer and I'm trying to connect and connect at the end of the day and I'm cleaning my house in step 10, that those two together are the reason why this ninth step promise gets supported. It will not be supported if I don't continue with my 10 and 11. Right. And, and if, if I'm supporting it by repeating the process, then that indicates already that it's taken hold. See, mm -hmm. that's the miracle of it is I may not even be aware of it. I, 
you know, I, I don't intuitively know how to handle situations, but if I don't know how to handle it, I know that there's somewhere where there's a gap. Yes. And that gap is that. normally between yes. me and God, my God. Yes. Okay. And God's not the one who moved. So thank you so much for saying that. So <laughs> it's not that I'm, I'm just going to know what to do. I'm going to know what to do when I don't know what to do. Right. I'm going to know where to go and where I know to go today, where my sponsor and I discovered together was on 86 at the bottom. It doesn't tell us just do the next right thing, which is what I well-meaningly heard people in AA say. It tells us when you don't know what to do, ask God. And while you're doing that, <laughs> do a 10 step, right? Well, yeah. And, and above that, it says the spiritual life is not a theory. We, we have, have to, live, to it. live it. Right. So, you know, if I'm trying to do that, then I am, you know, right. <laughs> I mean, that's just that simple. I don't need to figure it out. If I'm aware that there's a gap and I know how to fill that gap, because it tells me in the book, nothing will help me more than working with another addict, whether I'm the addict or whether I'm the one who's doing the work either way. And you know what I read into that? When, you know, like when they say I'm 89, a few pages from now, Practical experience was that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. My first thought, because I'm a fine print, what are they not saying, <laughs> is other activities are going to fail. That there's right. going to be other things in the rooms, in the program, in the book that are not going to work, Carly. And that the only thing that will ensure immunity is this. Right. Is working exactly. with another alcoholic. So At the end of the day, that's it. When, when you talk about a word like immunity, though, that, I mean... You know, when they wrote that word, they probably didn't mean exactly what immunity means today. Right, how prevalent today, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, so what do they mean by that? And I'm going to tell you, and this is the good news in all of it. You know, those promises we hear at the meeting, and this also answers your question about what's different. You know, we hear those promises and we, and at some point, hopefully we internalize those promises and we become, you know, aware of where they're true and where there's um, some lacking and if and what my responsibility is and in, in closing that gap. But the one thing that has remained true for me in, in 26 years after working this process, you know, I was taught that my problem is that I was powerless and that was because I had an inability to differentiate the truth from the false. Mm -hmm. That's the obsession. And once I gave into that obsession, which I always did, my body would not allow me to get away with that because I had an allergy to it. Right. The mental right? obsession gave way. It convinced you to pick up the drink and your, your body could so, not control it. So what's different today is, I am no longer insane according to the criteria they use in the book. Yeah. I am able to differentiate the true from the false. I will laugh and joke with you all day long and got war stories that will blow yours out of the water. I promise you. And I love to talk about it because it's not offensive or an irritant or a threat to me. I don't, always do that unless it's in the appropriate company you know but I've got crazy drug stories that like everybody does that are hilarious and I will write a book one day of those stories but what I do know that's different suicide 
parents dying, death of businesses, divorces, losing everything your own. And 15 years into the game, I get a diagnosis of cirrhosis of the liver of all things. Hmm. Okay. So now I'm dealing with consequences from my addiction mm -hmm. <laughs> after being sober 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality, you know, but guess what? Not for a split second that I ever even think about drinking or using dope. And if I did, I would know the truth about it. It's right. not that's because your brain is recovered. You it, contingent upon the work you do, but exactly. all you have to do to lose that is stop doing the work. Exactly. It's that simple. I have a question for you before we close because our time is running out. Have you ever worked with someone who's actively worked out of the book with you, done all the steps, never stopped doing the work that couldn't stay sober? No. In fact, the hardest case I ever saw um, with stories that I rarely even repeat um, got sober, stayed sober five years, met the love of her life, went to school, got her degree, and he um, did his final solo with her. Um, he was getting his pilot's license and they crashed and burned like at five years. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of hard. Um, but they but, never stopped doing the work and she stayed sober. No, and it took, I knew her for almost eight years and she was the most feral cat of a person I'd ever met. And um, I mean, hor horrific stories and, um, and, but she was happy and in love and sober and she never, and living a good life. So I'm not sad about that, but the answer to your question is no. The hardest case I've ever seen was the biggest success. Yeah, because I, they, I, I wish those numbers would be discussed. But I wish that that was what was um, talked about at meetings and paraded at meetings was not the three to 5% that stay sober, the 100% that stay sober if you do the work out of the book and you don't stop. But right. the key is not stopping. That's right. the key, is out right. of the book plus not stopping equals sober till you die. If you can do it long enough and, and get enough results to keep moving forward the process is automatic the miracle will happen whether you freaking like it or not <laughs> so but bringing it back to, to your beginning close, <clears throat> is we have to reach for the wall and flip the switch it's not going to turn on for us there's no clapper here god's not going to turn it on for us we have to do the reaching and then god will turn on the light my sponsor son of a bitch uh, <laughs> He used to tell me, Jack, put some wings on those prayers. You'll get your paycheck in heaven, buddy. You know, I love and, it. And, you know, they've never seen him since, but <laughs> very funny. You'll have to send him to me because I want if, if that's your sponsor, I want him on here. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. You're stuck with me for life, especially since you're a January 27th baby. OK, I, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, okay. 7 p.m. Thursdays. Make sure Definitely. I have a link. I'll, I'll be there. I'm going to email it to you right now, okay? Do that. All right. God Thank bless you for your you. time. You are amazing. One, one, one. Happy anniversary. Right, listen, yeah. Yep. Hi, North Star Big Book listeners. I just want to let you know that I also have another podcast called In Your Corner Divorce. It is all about co-parenting and focusing on the North Star, which you guys are familiar with. 
if you have any friends or family that are struggling either post-divorce or about to get divorced, I offer three different services. One is a session called Figuring It Out for people who are struggling and don't know which way to go. The other one is called Nuts and Bolts, and it's all about all the important things that should be put in a shared parenting plan if you want to focus on the kids, the North Star. And the last one is my North Star Divorce Boot Camp, which is basically what we do here, just a whole lot of digging, work, inventory, refocusing, and really getting to a place where we are only putting all of our energy and intentions into what is best for our children. So please check it out wherever you normally listen, and I would love your support. Thanks. 